Welcome to the Cannapreneur Partners Media Podcast. This is a podcast about the cannabis industry and those involved in it. You can easily listen to us on your favorite podcast platform by searching for canna-media. While we may talk to medical professionals and investment professionals, we are not offering medical or investment advice for any individual situation. Please consult with your specific individual health or investment advisors before acting on anything you hear in the podcast. Guest views and opinions may not also be ours. Finally, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please visit us at info at canna-media.org. That's info at canna-media.org. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cannapreneur Partners Canna Media Podcast. Uh, we're very, very excited today. It's uh, We have Dr. Marion McNabb uh, on the podcast. Uh, for those of you that don't know her, she is the founder and president of the Cannabis Center of Excellence, a 510c3 nonprofit here in Massachusetts, which we're going to talk about in a bit. She's a current cannabis retail appointee to the Massachusetts Cannabis Advisory Board, and she is the treasurer of the Cannabis BPO Advisory Board. And she's also recently launched 510 Innovations, which is a cannabis and plant medicine research data science and education company. Uh, we typically keep these podcasts about a half hour, but in Ms. Uh, McNabb's case, uh, we uh, don't have enough time to go over her background and keep this within a half hour and talk about what she's actually working on now. So this is part one of a two-part podcast um, with uh, Dr. McNabb. So welcome and thank you very much for coming on the podcast yeah. today. Thank you so much for having me, Todd. Yeah. So tell us a little about your your background. You're a, you're a doctor, so obviously you know you weren't taught cannabis in in medical school, so you had to find your way into this space somehow. Tell us how that happened and and what you're working on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So um, I'm a public health doctor by training and um, spent you know the previous part of my career uh, working in global uh, public health, so actually working on HIV, AIDS, and maternal oh, child health okay. and family planning. And um, when it became legal for adult-use cannabis in Massachusetts five years ago, um, I decided, uh, well, this is a really great opportunity to uh, potentially shift my career direction um, and work in an area that has been, um, you know, typically difficult to work in for researchers, which is cannabis research. Right. Now, had had you... Prior to this, were you involved in cannabis in any way? You were interested in it, or was it just, hey, it's legal, light bulb went off, I need to research this? Um, yeah, I was a cannabis uh, patient okay. and okay. Um, you know, really saw the value of uh, the potential of, of cannabis and the role that it could play. Absolutely. Um, and so in the beginning, when it became legal here, um, set out and formed a company called Cannabis Community Care and Research Network, C3RN. And started um, advocating and working towards cannabis research, education, and social justice work. And um, I think it's, yeah, it's four years ago now, yeah. or no, it's in the fifth year. Um, submitted an application to the Boston University Cannabis Startup Competition um, that was hosted by Green Lion Partners. Right. We pitched uh, to create a uh, virtual cannabis center of excellence in that competition. And it was the first year of the competition, and we ended up winning the competition. So the Virtual Cannabis Center of Excellence, what was the, what was the idea? What was, it func what was its function? Yeah, so the idea, it's exciting because I now run it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it came to fruition five yeah. years later, which is really great. That's fascinating. Um, but yeah, the original idea was to create um, a Virtual Cannabis Center of Excellence that would connect cannabis industry, the uh, policymakers, academia, consumers, and patients together to have a, a resource where high-quality research and education and social justice activities could happen um, awesome. within the cannabis industry. 
So we ended up winning, and um, and now I run this. Uh, I'm the president and the founder of it, and um, it's been a very exciting five years and developing and, and getting to where we are now and conducted quite a number of studies since then. I'm yeah. really excited to cover. That's really impressive. Yeah, I mean, so for those of you who don't know, Dr. McNabb has probably done some of the, in my opinion, some of the seminal studies on, on cannabis, especially as it relates to certain groups here. So I'm, I can't wait to kind of dive into the, the findings and stuff like that. So let's let's get right to it. In in 2018, you you guys did the medical cannabis patient and consumer study. Yes. Let's talk about that. Tell yeah. us. Obviously, there's a million different things you could study in cannabis, right? A million different ways to go about it. What drove you guys into this particular area, and what were, what what did you find when you got into this uh, research? Yes. After winning the competition, yeah. uh, a professor from UMass Dartmouth reached out to me. Uh, his name is Professor uh, Stephen White. He's at the Charlton College of Business. Okay. Um, he approached and um, really wanted to uh, have an, an academic partner that he could conduct studies with together. And we, um, both of our interests, my interest specifically, was really trying to understand what people are consuming cannabis for, how is it impacting their life, is it impacting their health in positive ways or negative ways, um, and just try and understand from a consumer and a patient perspective, from the people that are actually consuming. So together, we formed an agreement uh, with UMass Dartmouth and the Cannabis Center of Excellence, and we uh, launched the 2018 Open Cannabis Consumer and Patient Study. And in that study, it lasted two years. Uh, we had over 2,400 respondents. Wow. Yeah, it was a in really- In 2018. Yeah. My God, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. It was really powerful. And um, what we found, not only did we um, conduct those that study, but we decided to uh, implement innovative educational programming around the results. So uh, we uh, ran six different educational events where we brought together commissioners and policymakers and um, businesses and others in the industry to really, you know, kind of not only collect this information from our research study, but then try and rapidly get the, the news back out there, so to right. speak. Traditionally, in research studies, academic settings, you know, you uh, traditionally collect a lot of data, then it takes a lot of time to analyze and then get back out to the community. So um, I wanted to work to change that paradigm and not only collect data, um, but really collect data and try and feed that back out in mm -hmm. positive public health ways. What we found in that study was that, wow, uh, there's a lot of reasons that people consume cannabis right. um, from a medical perspective. And uh, the results came out where uh, most of the respondents in our study, in that specific study, reported using cannabis uh, for chronic pain, anxiety, and depression. And not only those were the top three conditions, but we started to see in the results all sorts of types of health conditions reporting using cannabis. And that's anywhere from um, cancer-related um, yeah. challenges to uh, PTSD and other conditions. So it really just kind of opened up our um, understanding of, you know, a, a wide variety of ways that medical cannabis um, can See, benefit. this is interesting because, it, you know, people have to think back. This was four years ago now, 2018, when cannabis was just legalized. And I can remember, you know, host community agreement meetings where people were terrified that there was going to be junkies all over the place. And why are we legalizing something people, they can go party and get high and do their thing. And then you do a study that says, no, 
people don't use it for that. People use it for the exact opposite reason. And, and studies like this is what changes people's minds and, yeah. and has other people who maybe are you know, using opioids or using other drugs for things like pain, anxiety, depression to say, hey, wait a minute, maybe I should try this. And it's a, it's a much safer way to, to do this kind of stuff. What, what about the research into this? Like, what's, what shocked you? What, what surprised you the most? What absolutely shocked me was the number of people that were reporting using cannabis as an alternative as a, um, to you, other yeah. medications. Or so you had opioids. thought it was more for recreational use, and you were like, my God, is, what percentage are using it for um, ailments versus just good time with friends on a Friday? Um, well, interestingly, we and I could pull up that data to see exactly, but yeah. we um, what we asked was, you know, are you? What's interesting is um, how people self-define themselves as a consumer. Okay. Um, uh, you know, are they defining themselves as a medical patient? Are they an adult use consumer? Are they both? Um, and so, um, what we did find is, regardless of if people reported if they're an adult use consumer or a medical patient that they still are um, using that in lieu and trying to replace other medications or opioids. And so um, that was the most striking finding to me that 50, uh, over 50% of our respondents are reporting using cannabis as an alternative. Wow. Yeah. And to your point, it's, it's very important because, um, you know, it's cannabis is non-lethal um, and is, uh, you know, really could be considered as a harm reduction alternative now yeah. um, to other, you know, kind of more lethal uh, um, substances, yeah. um, including opioids. Yeah. You, uh, I asked this of a lot of people since I saw this show, and, and so there's always the current debate with the FDA and cannabis. Have you watched uh, Dope Sick on Hulu? I have not yet, but I need to. You um, will find yourself like me yelling at the TV at the yeah. FDA and how they can allow what they allowed with OxyContin and then still have the stance they have on cannabis. It just it defies any sort of common sense or logic whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get back to the study. So 50% of the people were using it for medicinal reasons. Yeah, over 50 over 50%, over 50%. of the of the people in our first study yeah. reported using cannabis to reduce um, unwanted prescription medications or over-the-counter medications. So, meaning m- <clears throat> majority of the people in our research studies were reporting they're using medical cannabis. It was helping them with chronic pain. It's helping them with anxiety. And it's helping them with depression. And then at the same time, the majority of those people said that they're actively using cannabis to replace um, the use of these unwanted over-the-counter prescription meds. And were they successful in reducing? Were they reporting actual reductions too? Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. And and since then, um, that was the first study we conducted. Okay. I've run six studies now. <laughs> six studies, uh, the same question, just updating the initial findings? Yeah. So oh God, we've okay. looked at different populations, and we've really worked to try and use the same question set so that yep. we could um, you know, look at differences over time. Yeah. Um, so right after um, this first study, actually um, a leading colleague reached out because of these findings, um, you know, seeing that people were choosing medical cannabis or cannabis as an alternative – um, a colleague, Stephen Mandile, who's a, mm-hmm. a leading veteran in the community, reached out and said, you know, this is really important work. Um, you know, I think this might be really applicable to the veterans population. And we absolutely agreed. Um, and so we formed together and um, we joined together and we uh, developed the 2019 Veterans Health and Medical Cannabis Study. 
For us at Cannapreneur, that was probably the most important study we've ever seen on cannabis. And Steve is actually going to be here next week oh, really to great. film a podcast, so we'll talk about this again. But uh, it was eye-opening. What it was, it was both eye-opening and and sad. Yeah. That uh, the all these veterans in massive numbers reported all the benefits of cannabis, but still can't get their hands on it through the VA. Yeah. So it was uplifting in that they're having this help, but then you're like, man, why can't we? get out of our own way in this country and, and help these people. So yeah. tell us about that one. Yeah, I think we still have a lot more work to do for our veterans. Oh, um, enormous. Yeah. Enormous. And um, so um, in 2019, so using sort of the similar question sets from our first study um, and expanded a little bit more, we actually reached out and engaged Dr. Stacy Gruber as well. Mm-hmm. Out um, of Harvard, right? Out of Harvard. And um, reviewed and developed a veteran-specific um, questionnaire that utilized some of our questions before, but really looked into um, key issues that veterans face um, as For a population. Um, well, it, exposures um, during travel, um, during deployments. Um, you know, veterans uh, disproportionately face different um, health conditions oh, than the general population. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that um, we captured the nuances um, and the importance of the veterans population. So we launched that study in 2019 and together also um, ran six educational events. And thank you to Canapreneur Partners for yeah. helping us with that study. <laughs> helped us fundraise with that study. And Anything to get the word out, we're, good. we're open for. Yeah, Absolutely. thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, and so we ran six events um, in 2019 that were educational events um, that did the same thing as I talked about before with the open consumer and patient study where you, we were collecting data and we wanted to make sure that the community, policymakers, veterans, the VA, um, everybody in Massachusetts and nationally, you know, could really utilize that data and drive discussion, evidence-based discussion. So um, we ran six events um, locally in Massachusetts and um, very excited that, you know, uh, a result of that study, you know, there's a publication that's out that if anybody's quite interested in, in learning the results, I actually um, have a specific publication related to uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. If somebody wants to go and download that, where would they go to download it? So this is actually an exciting magazine that um, oh. came out because of the study. Uh, or Interesting. As a result of one of the, of the work that we did, yeah. really. Um, so uh, Cannabis Science and Technology... Uh, magazine um, uh, worked together. We uh, with this project with the um, veteran study. We also um, developed the cannabis advancement series, and that was the educational series. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was together with Stephen Mandile and Ann Brum of Joint Venture and Co. Yeah. Um, and that cannabis advancement series, you can see all of the education and those um, uh, videos up on YouTube. So we'll be sure to link to those videos um, yes. in this chat. Um, for the podcast. Um, but as a, as a result, uh, cannabis patient care magazine itself was born. Um, and, um, the study results, um, from a specific manuscript on post-traumatic stress disorder from PTSD to post-traumatic growth. Um, what's the difference? So PTSD, everyone knows about what's What's post-traumatic growth? Yeah, so that was uh, coined by Stephen Mandele. Okay. Um, and, you know, trying to break the stigma around uh, PTSD and being um, 
it 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 becoming instead of a disorder and an illness, um, moving more into the positive areas that okay. we can grow and we can change right. uh, with PTSD. What were the findings? So so we had fifty percent of the general public was using cannabis medicinally. When you went to the veterans, what were the what were the most stunning sort of observations or, or results of that study with the veterans. Yeah, so what happened, um, I'm just pulling up my data here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the veterans, what we found was, in the veterans study, we found that um, there were differences in the um, types of conditions that veterans were reporting medical cannabis for. Um, and one of those major differences, the top three conditions that um, veterans reported helpful for was chronic pain, followed by PTSD and then anxiety. Really? And so PTSD popped up as a, a huge issue for this particular population. Yeah. Um, and that's why I honed in and wrote a manuscript on PTSD specifically for mm -hmm. this Cannabis Patient Care magazine. Yeah. Um, but in the veterans study, we had um, a higher percentage of veterans reporting using medical cannabis as an alternative uh, to opioids or other Higher than the general population. Higher than the general population. With success? I mean, was it making their lives better, the same? or Absolutely, making their lives better. Um, so with success, and they also reported um, greater improvement in the quality of life, um, reduction in the use of alcohol and tobacco, and the All reduction positive. in the use of uh, opioids and unwanted prescription medications. What uh, what percentage reported a improvement in there? For the veteran study specifically, in reduction of opiates, uh, seventeen percent reported wow. reducing opiates, fourteen percent reported reducing anxiety medications, and twenty six percent reported reducing depression medications. Wow, that's significant numbers. That is. Also, when we looked at... Um, quality of life. The quality of life, um, dramatic increases in the quality of life. Uh, generally helps with the quality of life, 77%. Wow. Helps with psychological symptoms, 64%. Helps with physical symptoms, helps avoid starting other medications. That's incredible. Yeah, there's just a, and I can, uh, we'll put a link to all these specific yeah. findings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the chat so that people can look. Why do we think that, so the initial survey was about 50% of people using it. The veterans are much higher. Veterans had a 77% shocks me report a, a better quality of, of life using cannabis instead of the other medicines. How did that compare to the general public at large? And if there is a gap, what do you what do you attribute that gap to? Why are veterans getting out um, outsized results versus the general public? Um, so the general public also reported, you know, improved quality of life. Um, I won't really be able to eloquently answer that one. Right now. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> because I don't have those numbers. Too much, in, too much yeah. assumptions Sorry. needed for that. Okay, yeah. So that's incredible that seventy-seven percent of, of veterans reported quality of life. It looks and from fifteen to twenty-five percent were reducing. Was that reducing medicines or stopping them altogether? Um, reducing. Oh, reducing. Um, okay. And you know, we have some findings that uh, some were actively reducing. And some, what we did learn was that some had reduced in the past and okay. had um, used cannabis as an alternative in the past. So, okay, um, so those numbers are actually higher because before the study they had actually yeah. been reducing. Yeah. Wow, that's even better news. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. I, didn't, I did not expect it, the numbers to be that high for something like that. So we've had six studies over the years. Mm -hmm. How has the data changed over the years? What, what significant 
points of view. Oh, my God, look at the change in that one. Yeah, so over the years, what has been the most interesting thing is to see, as I mentioned, um, the cannabis consumer and the patient study, the top three conditions that people reported uh, using cannabis for were chronic pain, anxiety, and depression. Then when we started to look at the veterans you know, research yep. study, we found the top conditions being chronic pain, PTSD, and anxiety. And then um, once we finished the veteran study in 2019, we actually launched, uh, when COVID hit, I launched a uh, COVID and cannabis research study. And so in that study that we've recently finished data collection and are in the process right now of preparing our publications, we That's found- That's gonna be a highly, highly read study. Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. <laughs> some people yeah. are gonna lose their minds, some people are gonna be thrilled. Yeah. Be, I can't wait for that one to come out. Yeah, um, what we did find was that- um, COVID's not controversial at all. Not at all, <laughs> not at all. And especially with the recent COVID and cannabis exactly. research studies that yeah. have come out. Um, what we found was that um, consumers were reporting, um, so chronic pain was falling down on the list of the top conditions that people were consuming cannabis for, and people are, were rep reported using more for anxiety and for depression. And that's just a, a change in our life and every, you know, in our yeah. society and, and how things are working. So, yeah, the data from the data trends we've seen from 2018 till now um, you know, quite different in all these different populations about why they're consuming cannabis and, and what health issues are we facing as a society today and, um, you know, how are we finding relief. Was that, uh, was that change across demographics and races or did it kind of vary in certain demographics or is it just blanket? People just really were a lot of anxiety the last two years and they were using cannabis to help deal with that instead of obituates or uh, habit, what are opioids, opioids <laughs> and over-the-counter stuff and alcohol. Yeah, well, to be determined, uh, we will yeah. be producing. Uh, we're right now currently in the process of preparing our manuscript yeah. and our full analysis for that study. Yeah. Um, and we will be uh, releasing it in April oh, of this okay. year. So we'll look into the different demographics. Yeah. And especially I think what will be interesting is age. Um, you know, our older populations, right. you know, how to how do older populations differ in using cannabis um, versus all other demographics. Yeah. So you'll have more results in that coming out. So is it a, is it entirely a use a use based study or, or do we do you get into the, you know, people who used cannabis throughout it were X percent less likely to contract COVID or anything like any data like that? Or is it just basically why are you using yeah, we um, so it was about a hundred question research oh, wow. study. Okay, yeah, it's pretty significant, and uh, we asked you know what you're consuming cannabis for, and um, has COVID impacted your cannabis use? We asked. This was right at the time when COVID hit, so we asked about um, lockdown. Uh, we asked did that you know how did that impact you. And we did ask questions around use of cannabis for substitution of other medications and then, you know, what some barriers and some facilitators are for accessing cannabis. So, um, you know, really excited. We're going to be doing a full podcast in April and a, a full um, data release of this. And, you know, because of the study, we collected the data right at the start of COVID. Right. Um, in 2020 and 2021. The data collection ended in August of last year. Um, I believe now our situation in COVID and what we would do now as a research study would be quite different um, because we, what we asked was COVID hit. What is the impact on you? Right. Um, you know, has this changed your behaviors? Have you changed how you've consumed cannabis? You know, yeah. what are those health conditions? But two years ago was two years ago. Right. <laughs> and um, we're in a much different COVID situation today with vaccinations and 
you know, um, all sorts of other related, you know, life's different now. Yeah, I guess. it's very different than it was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, it'd be interesting to see how people responded in March, April and May of 2020 versus March, April, May of 2021. I, I would be fascinated to see the differences in the groups in aggregate over that time period. Yeah. I, I, I imagine it has to be a stark difference in some of the some of the answers they were giving. Well, I'm going to put that into our data use, <laughs> our data, our data plan to analyze and get ready, um, because I think that would be really fascinating. Yeah, and, yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, it was uh, people walked into an unknown, right? No one in our lives. I mean, unless you come from another country that you know forced you know internments or whatever. In America, we haven't in our lifetimes we've never been locked down, right? Yeah. We've never seen that. So the it's a. No one had any history with it, so people's reactions to it and how they behaved are very fascinating, especially as the pandemic went along mm-hmm. uh, over those two years. So I, I can't wait to see the end, the end of that. And that's going to be cancenterofexcellence.org. Uh, can yeah, org. Yeah. yeah, we'll have all the research findings up there for the COVID results. Um, the, final, the final results will be up in, in April. Okay, that's awesome. So we have Dr. McNabb, Mary McNabb on today. Uh, we've spoken about uh, medical cannabis and patient survey, a veterans health survey, and the old COVID-19 survey, which is going to be, study, I should say, not surveys, uh, which will be coming out in April of this month. Uh, we will uh, we'll sign off right now, and we will come back for part two. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.